you know that if you go to the gym on a regular basis, eat the food that you need to on a regular basis, and just do basic things like drink water, you will be healthier long-term in your life. And we all know this to be true, right? But then a dessert comes your way, right? You're hungry in a fast food restaurant. You're driving by, and you see on the sign that today, and maybe today only, not only can you buy a Big Mac meal, but for $2 more, you can add another Big Mac. And at this point, why would you pass up a sale like this? Like, you're, you're making them lose money, right? And so you give up the long-term gain for the t- kind of, if I can say this, for the t- short-term pleasures. Am I the only person that struggles with this in life? And if you need me to give you 10 more examples, I bet we can. Hence, I have to ask this question. And by the way, I will be the first one to raise my hand on this. I struggle when it comes to my prayer life being faithful day in and day out. By the way, that's not a question. That's a statement. I'll raise my hand on that. By myself. Okay, okay. This is all. If you're in our online community and that's you at all, can you go ahead? Like, I'm apparently the only atheist in the room. And so I struggle... And here's why I think I struggle with my prayer life. Like when I eat something unhealthy, I get the immediate pleasure, right? Like when I buy something that I shouldn't own, I get immediate pleasure. When it comes to my prayer life, rarely do I see immediate results. Am I the only one that feels that way? Oh, thank you. Your hands are moving now. I'm so excited. I thought I, thought I was the heathen in the room. But here's, I want what I want when I want it. See, that was not the one you say amen on. That, oh, I got to work with you. I got to work with you. you, get, you so, but here's the I want what I want when I want it. And when there's times that the only way to get that is to pray to God, I have yet to figure out how to manipulate him to get what I want when I want how I want it. Oh, that's right. That's right. I don't, I can't manipulate him. Because I could bribe him, God, I'll give this gift, and then I remember that he owns everything, right? And then I can say things like, I will go do for you this, and then I remember that he's at all places at all times, and omnipresent, and he doesn't need my physical body to achieve something. And so I have all these things that I realize that the power of prayer is because I realize, and I wrote this down, I want to make sure to correctly, prayer is the partnership between the divine and mankind. That's but mankind has to come to an understanding that I'm not divine. So I have to have a long-term strategy with my prayer life versus a short-term, quick result, feel good with my prayer life. Because, and, and I'm, by the way, this is going to disappoint all of us right now. Ready? Nowhere in the Bible is there a gift of prayer. Nowhere in the Bible is there the gift of intercession. There's the gift of prophecy. There's the gift of tongues. There's the gifts of interpretation of tongues. There's all these gifts. But when it comes to prayer, ready for this, God just tells us to do it. That's it. And it's not for elite flu, uh, an elite few older people that are retired and have time for it, right? It's not for those groups of moms that always have time to pray. 
It's not that. It is a calling for all of us to do. And if we wait for God to inspire us, that's like saying you should be inspired to save your money. That's like saying you should be inspired to eat healthy. That's like saying you should be inspired to work out. No, we do these things so that we can have the best life both now and in the future. And when it comes to your prayer life, if you're just waiting for God to give you the grace for you to get your butt up out of bed early in the morning and get down on your knees for 30 minutes and talk to nothing. Now, let's be real honest about this. Have you ever seen someone, okay, ready, we're, we're doing this today, right? Imagine if no one's in here and I'm all by myself and you're like, well, you don't need to kneel to pray. No, but you stay awake when you do this, right? And you're by yourself and you're like, okay, God, don't have anything to talk to you about this morning. But our Father, there it is, I'll start with the Lord's Prayer, our Father. Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. Hey, Daddy-o. Hey, hey, Father. Hey, Dad. Hey, big guy. Shouldn't call you big guy. Shouldn't call you. Like, like, imagine for 30 minutes just talking to no one, and you think to yourself, I need the grace of God to do that. No, you need the discipline of self to do it. And then if, if you have any type of prayer in your life, ready for this? And by the way, I really could finish the sermon after this statement. I was just seeing if I was going to get an amen. Like, yes, do it. That'd be the best day yet. Like, if you have a prayer life, and I could get up here and I could talk a lot of scriptures. I could give you facts. I could tell you the benefits of uh, what fasting does and everything like that. But here's the bottom line. And by the way, there's no, like, convincing you of this. If you want to supercharge your prayer life, you fast. Fasting is hard. Fasting takes discipline. Fasting is not comfortable. But if you want to supercharge your prayer life, you fast. And if you don't want to have a supercharged prayer life, or, and I'll just be this blunt about it, if you have no prayer life at all, don't bother fasting. I don't know how to say this nice, and I don't know how to say this politely. I do know how to say this bluntly, though. That if your prayer life is somewhere stuck in first or second gear and you're ready to go to third or fourth, fasting is the way to do this. Fasting will, I love this, on page 94 of our book, Starving. Isn't it funny we read a book on fasting named Starving? <laughs> Just <laughs> ironic. <clears throat> Anyone, when it comes to fasting, it has enormous spiritual benefits. Page 94, top of the page. It, number one, it tightens your relationship with God. Number two, tune you more clearly into his voice. Number three, it breaks bad habits and addictions. And number four, it reveals how fragile and dependent we are on Jesus. Fasting will abstain from the natural pleasures for a spiritual purpose. And after all, if we are praying to a spirit being... Shouldn't we check our physical body so that our spirit man can be more awake? And so fasting is a sign. But there's a chance you don't qualify to fast. Did you know this is in the Bible? There's some of you that do not have to fast. And I'm going to tell you who that is right now. In Mark chapter 2, you have the Pharisees who's always trying to trip Jesus up. 
And they have a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus actually gives us insight on who does not have to fast. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Now John's disciple and the Pharisees were fasting. And some of these people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? So now, during a season where fasting was occurring, John, how many remember John the Baptist? I'll give you a hint. He baptized people all the time. So his disciples were fasting, then the Pharisees, which, by the way, they were the religious leaders at this time, and they most likely knew the schedule, the routine, and things like that. Um, They were fasting, so they said to Jesus, they're like, listen, this group's fasting, and this group's fasting. Why isn't your group fasting? And Jesus said, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? They cannot so uh, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they'll fast. So what Jesus is saying is, you're in the middle of a wedding party, and you think you should fast, except I'm here to tell you that the bridegroom is here at the wedding. This is the time that we celebrate, not the time that we fast. But there soon will be a time that the bridegroom, me, Jesus, I won't be here with you. But as long as I'm here with you, there's no need to fast because I'm connected with you. But there will be a time that I won't be here or disconnected from you, and that will be the time that you fast. So here it is. For everyone here, when I read this, this is what I kind of see out of it. If you have such a personal relationship with Jesus that you feel like you're with him all the time and he's never away from you, you don't have to fast. But for the rest of us, let me ask you this. This is just an honest question. I'm in our online community too. Has there ever been a time in your life where you feel like God's far from you? By the way, this is one of those times where we interactively raise our hands again. Okay? Is there anybody in here that you just feel like God's not anywhere close to you? Here, let me ask you this question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you feel like your prayers are falling on deaf ears? You know what? Let's just be real honest about this one. Has there ever been a time in your life where you're just absolutely questioning your faith? If you raise your hand, you should be fasting because there's something that has occurred. And by the way, this is all of us that we feel separated from our bridegroom. And there's a chance we feel separated from our bridegroom because our physical body has everything it needs to feel naturally good. And it can absolutely cover up spiritual cravings that are inside of us. If you are someone who overspends all the time, overeats all the time, overentertains all your time, overplays all the time, you are naturally trying to cover up something that is internally trying to cry out. But you know what happens when we remove all the natural stuff out of our life? It allows our spirit man to be heard. It allows our spiritual man to cry out for the things that we're really craving for. And here's what we are actually craving for in life. is to have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I doubt there was a time the disciples were with Jesus and Jesus just got done healing a multitude, feeding a multitude. And the disciples were like, dude, this is so boring. You know, actually, if anything, they wanted more and more and more and more. They want to sit at his right hand. They want to sit at his left hand. They want to know when his kingdom comes. Who's going to do this? They wanted more and more and more. If you are 
absolutely breaking down who you, uh, 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 if you look at your natural life and you're looking at every place that you're overindulging in, it's probably because you're trying to cover up a desire, a craving, a wanting for a spiritual connection. So why do you fast? We fast to quiet our physical man for our spiritual man to connect with our spiritual father. What's the point of all of it? Mark 2, Jesus goes on. See, no one sews a patch of unshrunk clothes on an old garment. Now, this, by the way, this, we're gonna, if, if I'm going to read this and you have no idea what's going on, we're going to talk about it. Because right now I just went from not fasting because of the bridegroom, fasting without the bridegroom, and now Jesus is talking about cross-stitching. <laughs> Let's figure this out. So Jesus goes, no one sews a patch of unshrunk clothes on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. So basically, Jesus is saying, we have this old thing that we're trying to deal with. And by the way, he's talking about us, just FYI. And anytime you would take this, if we can say it this way, this new patch... This new patch that hasn't grown, hasn't shrank, hasn't had time to develop, or, ready for this, hasn't had time to get stiff and brittle and stuck in its ways. That's what we're talking about. Jesus goes, so if you take this new thing and just sew it onto an old thing, eventually, because the old thing and the new thing aren't compatible, the new thing will eventually rip away and the old thing will stay. And he goes, and no one pours new wine in an old wineskin because when you pour this, or, you know, I'll go keep reading it, I'm ready to explain it already. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skin and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into the new wineskin. So somehow, we have gone from Jesus talking about fasting, ready for this, to sowing and wine. Those two have nothing in common unless you're Jesus. Because what you do when you take this old thing and you try a new patch and you put it onto this old thing, eventually this old thing will out like actually abuse the new thing. It'll tear away from it. Or if you take new wine, see when you pour it in a new wine skin, a new wine skin is still flexible. And as this wine, if I can say it this way, as it breathes, as it grows, as it matures, it'll actually the new wine skin gives way. But in old wine skin, it grew and it was flexed and it was malleable during the season of the new wine being come in, being poured in. But eventually it got comfortable with the old wine and it began to get set in its position. And by the way, you ready for this? Does anyone have a set of toes I can step on? Because I feel God, like now's the best time to do this. Have you ever been a part of a church where you walked out and you thought, wow, they feel stuck in their ways? And by the way, no one raise their hands. No one, no one look around. Everyone, like, have you ever walked in or been a part of a ministry where you go, wow, that, there's, a, there's a whole lot of sacred cows on that thing. You better not touch that. There's, there's this old joke where a pastor came into a church and he had a desire to move the piano from the one side to the other. And the church was so offended that he would, he would dare move the piano. And after a couple months of trying to move the piano, trying to move the piano, they fired him over trying to move the piano. A couple years later, he came back to the church with a new pastor there. And the new pastor came in, or the old pastor came in and saw that piano on the other side of the stage. And he said, how in the world did you get that move? And the pastor said, every Sunday I moved it one inch. 
See, small changes people will accept, but what happens if God is trying to pour something new into your life? Jesus is saying this, because of fasting, I will show you the difference between the old places that are stiff and brittle and not accepting of the new. And instead of saying to you, you as a Christian can take little patches and put up your faith what you want on you, Jesus is trying to tell you he wants to make you new. Because let's be honest, when it comes to Christianity, I will take the scripture that says God will take it, he will press it down, he'll shake it together, and he'll be overpouring his blessings on me. That scripture I will take. The scripture of prayer and fasting, I will skip all day long. You know the one that says to crucify your own flesh? That's for someone else. You know what the one for me is? That God's face shines upon me and that he loves me. I can't pick and choose the parts of his garment that I want to put on me because eventually my old flesh will tear away from his spiritual calling. But if we are a people that will fast and pray, prayer is our spiritual connection to God, our verbal connection to God, our our heavenly connection from the earth, and then fasting comes along. I don't know why I'm yelling at you so much today, but I am and we're here now. But somehow you take fasting and you just supercharge it. You just give it nit. Uh, what is this stuff in a car? You press a little button. Nitrous. I love that. I looked at you. I have no idea. Fast and Furious 10. Can't wait for you. <laughs> I can. Okay, so like when you're in your prayer life, you hit that button. Because of your fasting, you've stripped away everything carnal that would hold you back. And you say this, God, I want the new thing that you have pouring. And he loves you so much that he will not pour out the new thing in an old skin. Because the only thing the new thing will do, it will blow you up. It will bust you at the seams. So we go into prayer and we're like, God, I need this now. And he goes, fine, I'll give it to you when you are ready for it. I need it now. You don't know this. This is a craving I have in my heart. I know it's a craving in your heart, but I don't want to destroy your soul. But our bridegroom isn't with us. Our bridegroom is gone. So guess what? We all qualify to fast. So I'm going to do something. I have just a couple minutes left today. And I've actually, all week long, kind of been chatting back and forth. Her name's Dr. Patty Amston. I call her mom. And she has one of the best, and if you don't mind, I'm going to invite you to the stage. She has, she has one of the best stories about fasting. And she goes, you can just tell it. And I thought, you know, you guys don't get to see us interact that much. You want her to tell it. So page 156 of our our book, Fasting, God encourages, quote, cast all your cares on him because he cares about you, 1 Peter 5, 7. To cast your care on God is a prayer that will always be answered. Did you hear that? To cast your cares on God, it's a prayer that will always be answered. God will care for you. He just might not do it in the same exact order of your prayers, though. Truer words have never been spoken. Dr. Patty, Mama, I'm going to say it. Pity Pat Poopy. Also known as Pity Pat Poopy. Only by him. I don't to know. one person. Ask me where that came from. Don't know. Doesn't matter. 
So you've done a couple fasts in your life here. Let's st step up just a little bit here. We'll get this guy out of the way. We've, you've done a couple fasts in your life, but one of them you know that I find quite entertaining, charming, inspirational. It was a 21-day fast that you were going to do. So um, where to jump in? I, let me jump in here. While I was on that 21-day fast, I found every fast food restaurant in Collinsville <laughs> that I didn't even know was there. But when you're so hungry, it's like, oh, my gosh. When oh you had God. all five of us kids at home. I had all five of you kids home, and all of a sudden, I'm hungry for stuff I never would have even looked at. I didn't even know where a lot of the fast food restaurants were, but I saw every eating joint in all of Collinsville. So it, it can be, uh, it can pull on your, yep. your natural. And I remember yeah. you say, we would say, Mom, why are you cooking so much for us? And you actually were like. I'm so hungry. I was feeding them. <laughs> So we ate like kings, and somehow she felt better always yeah. cooking. And then we'd eat, and we're like, wow, she didn't season that well. But she couldn't <laughs> taste it, so it was all right. So. so, yeah, we had five children at home. We had two people living with us at the time. Oh, okay. And so I was cooking with my husband for eight people, three meals a day, and I couldn't eat any of them. But uh, what happened? So why, happened, were, why were you yeah. doing the fast? So um, at the heart of who I am, I'm a teacher, and so I just have always hungered for knowledge and what the Bible says and information. And not everybody's motivated the same way. So what m motivated me to go on this fast may not, you know, interest anybody else. But I had this drawing to just know some stuff that was in the Bible. And one of the things was concerning end times. Anybody ever want to know end time stuff, right? So I got saved in a Baptist church, and they teach a certain perspective of end times. So I had studied all of that. And then one day I was watching TV, and a guy named Pat Robertson, see, you, you know who may he may remember that name. <clears throat> he started saying some stuff about end times that wasn't what I'd been trained in. And I just kind of got like, well, one, I wonder, what, well, what's wrong with him? Well, I wonder if the guy I've been listening to. So, you know, I got into this confusion of what I felt was truth about that. So I said, God, I, I just need, I need to know. This teacher in me, I just need to know. So uh, I said, if you will allow, and I always tended to do this when I went on long fast. I've done a number of 40-day fasts, 21-day fasts. So I always would say, if this is not me manipulating, but this is your heart, you know, I'm going to trust you for grace or else the stopper to come along and show me that I shouldn't, uh, for the long ones, not for the three-day or five-day. Those day. you just suck Those up and do. Those you just suck up and do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so I went on this 21-day fast that was water only, and it was in the days before the computer program. So I went through the Bible and I wrote down every scripture that I could find concerning end times that I thought was end times. I had a, a notebook of handwritten scriptures. So I'd feed the kids and we're, you know, take care of the family. And then whenever, wherever I could find time, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm studying. So um, I am anticipating glory. I mean, I am in, I am anticipating, you know, I'd seen the charts where the angels show up and the charts and covered. Yeah. So I expected the scrolls to be unrolled and the answers in those scrolls to be given. I, you, my mean, you mean figurative scrolls? Oh, I, I was expecting. I mean, I'd take real ones. You know. <laughs> I'm just like, my expectation was here. 21 days, man. I sucked up everything, yeah. you know, for 21 days. So we get to the end of the 21 days, and uh, Dennis, my husband, uh, Pastor Dennis, he said, you know, he'd watch the kids, and I could get away to a hotel. So I, I went to... Uh, 
If you haven't okay. been paying attention, this is the part you should jump in because this is what I find this beautiful. This is just like show, show you're stupid. It's going to hang, hang right, right here. That's probably, never mind. Oh, you can oh, make fun uh, of Dallas all you want. He was ribbing on us during the announcements. So anyway, I went to a hotel, and um, I, so that last day of my, 21st day of my fast, I sang every song that I knew. I prayed for everybody that I could think to pray for. I worked so hard working myself into this being, I mean, I'm spiritual, right? 21 days, I'm spiritual. And so I did all of this, and now it's time to go to bed. I haven't heard anything yet. So I'm thinking the angels are going to come. You want to tell it? Well, hang on. Before you tell the next part, do me a favor. On the microphone, just get it nice and close. Say the word toilet. This isn't the time I climbed on the toilet. No, 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 I know. Stories. One time I couldn't stay awake to pray, so I'd get up in the middle of the night, and I stood on the edge of the toilet Yes. because then I couldn't fall asleep. But the first time she went to tell that story, she wouldn't use the word toilet from stage because she felt like that was too dirty of a word. When I say I, my mom is one of those proper moms, Some, I mean, tea crumpets, you know, never, I, I've actually never heard you use a foul word in your life, despite how hard us boys worked on you to use one. <laughs> so mom is very proper. Very proper. She, even what she would say from the stage, uh, potty humor is what you always called it when Dieter and Dawn would get crude, <laughs> you know, and so those it are my sisters, girls, yeah. you know. So I just, let right. me just kind of so, start with so that. proper Patty went to prayer. This, this could be a whole thing I'll pass Expecting on. what? Expecting angelic visitation. So it's the end of the night. I'm in the hotel by myself. I've had a whole day there. I literally took things that I thought would be proper to be a, a proper apparel for an angelic visit. So I had on, this is a true this statement. So true. I had on full pajamas and, uh, and a robe. And I actually touched up my makeup before I went to bed. Instead of taking it off, I, I touched it up. That's the part he's laughing. This is, this is true. But, I mean, She left out days cookies and milk, crumpets, <laughs> in case so, they were a bit fresh. I was so ready, ready to hear an answer to my prayer. So I slept that whole night and nothing. I didn't, I just, nothing. So I got up the next day and did, this, did it all over again. I went next door and got a little glass of orange juice and cut the orange juice with water to begin to just start you know how you come out of a long fast like that and if, in case you don't know there there are proper ways that it's easier on your body so restart this was that to restart your, yeah, everything had been shut down so I'm sipping water and orange juice and I went through again and prayed for everybody I knew to pray for and every, everything I could think to pray for actually a couple of times fell asleep in prayer or in worship just just trying so hard to be like attentive, you know, for the revelation to come. So then now it's nighttime again. And uh, so I was going to be gone for these two days. Dennis had the kids. And um, that night I didn't put my robe back on. I kept the pajamas on. But I was because I was beginning to be disappointed. And um, that night I had a dream. And in the dream I saw I was back at my mom and dad's house. Now that would be in the maturation stage, you know, when you're growing up. So I was back in my mom and dad's house, and there was a, a platform, <clears throat> um, a patio out in the back, and it had a watermelon and it had a tomato sitting on the platform, the concrete patio. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, oh, somebody 
has plucked those. The tomato was green, and I thought they've taken it off the vine before it was ripe. And so then the dream changed, and I'm back there. And uh, the, so this time, the watermelon had those green stripes on it, and the tomato was nice and red. And I thought, oh, that's nice. And I actually took my hands and ripped open the watermelon. And when I did, all the insides just ran. It was just watery. And, uh, and I woke up. And I woke up with, like, that's it, a running watermelon. 21 days. 21 days. I mean, I, by now, I've got, I've actually, to be truthful, I've got an attitude, you know. And uh, somewhere between disappointment and sorrow and frustration, frustration and all that. And um, um, so I, I was expecting <laughs> angels and scrolls and vials and, you know. You got a wet watermelon. And I got a wet watermelon, yeah. And so I just kind of throw in my, I called Dennis, I said, come and get me. And he said, uh-oh, that was all he said. And uh, I'm kind of throwing my stuff in to get ready to leave. And the Holy Spirit said to me, when you pray, believe you have received. And I had an attitude on that, too, because we had come from the faith movement, and that was Kenneth Hagin's. So if you know anything about his ministry, that was one of the things he always said, when you pray, believe you have received. So I smarted off. I said, I already know that. Like, I didn't need 21 days. I didn't need 21 days for... Keep telling your story. <laughs> Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> so, you know, all of that really hard work, raising five kids and fasting 21 days, I didn't need that for a Kenneth Hagin redo because yep. I knew all that. But in such gentleness, the Holy Spirit said to me, when you pray, believe you have received. And I went, yes, sir. I believe. I believe. I, I knew he was saying believe. Because, you know, with faith and patience, you inherit the promises. Not just with faith, but with faith and patience. So he That's said, believe, believe. That's so good. And I said, yes, sir, I believe. I believe that this fast has set things in order. I believe that you will deliver to me what I have asked for. I believe. So that I walked away knowing no, no more other than but to hold on and believe that it had been accomplished. So uh, at that time, we were pastoring here, and we did a, a ladies' retreat every spring. So this, it was time for that, the spring of the year, and the Spirit of the Lord said, came to me and said, I want you to teach on, and he gave me a theme, and it was something that I knew nothing about. I remember one of them being Zion. I mean, I could talk for 10 hours right now on Zion, but then I thought Zion was She a, won't. She won't. Know. For all of our guests, <laughs> just relax. I got a microphone. No. <laughs> Um, I grew up in a Methodist church in Troy, and Zion was the little church that we went to on uh, uh, Easter morning early mm -hmm. for sunrise service. So when he said, teach on Zion, I said, that's that little white church out there on the outside of Troy. Uh, that was all I knew. But I studied hours and hours, and by the time the conference came, I could teach on that subject. So every spring for six years, God would come and give me a topic and tell me to research it. And I would research it, and that would be the topic of the spring event. It was time for the seventh year. This was a wonderful event in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I fell down our basement steps in January. And when I fell, I fell down all of the steps, and I shattered all my arms, uh, wrists, arms, To this day, elbows. her right arm doesn't extend or rotate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, so I had two hands in casts and had to have 24 and 7 care because I couldn't do anything for myself, any, anything. No potty humor here, but I couldn't do anything for myself. 
if there was going to be powder humor, it'd sound like this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, we didn't have our spring retreat that year, and um, we um, we got through the summer. And the staff of the church planned a ladies' retreat in the fall and said to me, "Would you do you feel better? Couldn't you do it in the fall?" So mm -hmm. I said, "Yeah, I'm, I was back, you know, doing some stuff by then." And uh, the, the retreat, I'm saying, well, God, what should I t teach on? And I felt like the Lord was showing me to teach on. It's a festival in the Bible called the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm -hmm. But it just so happened that they had planned the conference on the actual Hebrew festival called the Feast of Tabernacles. So what God gave me to teach on actually matched the calendar. Yeah. So, But I knew nothing about that, so I started studying. And as I started studying just so happened some book was given to me called Paradise Restored was the name of the book sure. by a guy named David Chilton. And as I read, every page was wedded with my tears. As six years of revelation and study and internal adjustment and knowledge being gained and the for formation of the structure, internal structure had been given to me so, so that by the seventh year, and seven is the number of fullness and restoration on that seventh year it was like in in that one 40-day window this information came to me that set in order my understanding of what God meant in the end times mm -hmm. and I cried my way through every page I still have the book it's got bubbles <laughs> you know all the papers it bubbled mm -hmm. from crying every way so seven years later when you pray believe you have received uh, on that seventh year in the seventh month of the seventh festival just yeah. crazy number of sevens. God, all along saying, Patty, I got your name. I got your number. I got your answer. Just take it through these steps and let me mature you. Honestly, the purpose of your belief, of uh, your life as a believer is to mature you. Come on. You understand? Come That's on. why you're born to grow up. We're, and, and fasting is part of that. And enduring is part of that. And transformation, all of that is this maturation process that transforms us to be an image bearer. I mean, we're created for that, but we have to actually flesh that out through, through flesh. So this flesh has to go through a transformation, too, if we're going to reflect the image. So seven years, seven months, in the seventh Some year festival, uh, this revelation came to me, and um, I remembered my immaturity to think I had to dress up for Jesus. But that's, that shows you the level of immaturity at that time. Yeah. But the hunger and the desire to press into God and transformation. Yeah. So I don't know what else you want me to. No, I would love for you to do this. Put your hands together for sharing this. You want to hang out? Yeah, okay. okay. And there, there really is a true story about me standing on the potty to stay awake. The potty or the toilet? No. The rim of the commode. Oh. I had. That I sounds had, like a really no, crappy so, situation. So, so, oh. I know, I know. I did. There's a line, and it's usually on my heels. I didn't mean to cross it. You know, here's what I'd love That's to do. Funny. I just. So at this time, Dr. Patty's supposed to leave. I can. And no, 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 I, I think I'd like you to stay because I was going to be talking about a proper exchange. Okay. But I don't want to take time to unpack all that. As she was sharing, uh, and RJ, if you could help me out here um, with piano, I, I, if not, if Nate, or there you are, thanks, buddy. Um, here's what I'd love to do. If you want to stay, you're welcome to. I'd love to do a little bit of ministry because 
I wanted her to share the story because it's funny to me. It's funny that you would get dressed up, put on pajamas, do your hair, do your makeup, because you believe. I mean, could you imagine, so believe that an angel showing up with a scroll to get rid of those charts. Here's the new chart. So believe that you took time away from your family for 36, 48 hours to have this heavenly experience. And basically her heavenly experience was this. You are not ready. Or uh, let's say this way. You are immature. You are underdeveloped. Like there is no nice way to say this if you would just take it through our our earthly years, right? right? And the purpose of showing me that watermelon was it had been plucked from the vine. If it had been allowed to remain on the vine, it would have matured. That's what he was saying to me. Mm -hmm. you got to hang on this vine a while, girl. Because otherwise, it might look ripe on the outside, but it's going to be running nothing on the inside. So it was a very profound dream. I just couldn't feel the profoundness of it at that time. I actually almost despised it. I know Mm -hmm. that already. And but here's the thing: you can talk to God like that. Mm -hmm. She didn't jump off the vine though; she waited there. Is there anybody here today? As RJ begins playing. I just, there is no plan right here. I feel like ministry needs to happen now. Because as she told the story of having to wait seven years to hear this from God, you thought in your mind, seven years is only part of my story. I'm at seven days, I'm at seven weeks, I'm at 17 years. That there has been things that you've been praying for, things that you've been believing for, something that you've been wanting to hear from Jesus, and you just feel further and further away from him. And if that's you here today, and you would like to hear from God, if you feel like you just need a place where Jesus can talk straight to you, I just want to take some time, and I don't know if you want to pray, I'll pray if we want to have people stand up. I mean, we just want to kind of flow here, so I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, in this place, I truly believe right now, I know that I've just, Jesus, God is wanting to talk to you. He is wanting to reveal himself to you. He is wanting to give the answer that you've been looking for. And he's here to say that you aren't here on accident today. You are on purpose to hear this story. You are on purpose here in order to get this revelation that if you abide with our Savior long enough, you will mature to the point where he can put that revelation on you. He can give you that story. He can give you that truth. He can give you that burden. He can give you that calling. He can give you that anointing. And for those of you that you are tired of pushing, you are tired of running, you are becoming exhausted, I'm praying today that you've heard a testimony, if I can say it this way, from a lifelong Christian that has served God, that has given God, they've checked every box that you're supposed to, and she's here telling you it's worth the wait. It's worth the maturing. It's worth staying on the vine. I'm I'm just mindful of something that the Lord showed me uh, around this whole time is that when when I ask God for something, for him to give from heaven to my earth, while it's in his keeping, it's holy. How many of you think if God is managing something, it's holy under his management? 
So he wants to be sure that when he delivers it to me, that I can be a keeper of the holy. Yeah. So he begins working. He, that's what he said. He Patty, I got to work on you so that when I give you what you've asked for, you can keep it in the same ma manner. If you're here today and you say, I, I had my hands open, but I don't feel they've been filled with the thing I've been looking for. I'd like for you to just think about putting your hands kind of like on your own belly. You don't Excuse actually me. have, well, okay, let's, let's put do our, If that's you, just put your hand there. And I, I want you to thank God that he's making you a keeper of the holy. So when that work is done, whether it's seven months or seven years, when that work is to the place where he deems it what he's determined, then he'll allow you to put your hands out and you'll get it out here. And then you can keep it without tearing it up or breaking it or destroying it because you become the keeper of the holy. Just speak to your heart and say, heart, you are being transformed to be a keeper of the holy. Can you say that? Heart, you are being transformed. Say, soul, you are being transformed to be a keeper of the holy. Every gift of God is good and it's perfect. And he wants you to keep it that way when he gives it to you. It is the Father's goodwill to give you his kingdom. Say, Father, it's your goodwill to give me the kingdom. It's your goodwill. And so make me a keeper of this goodwill that you deliver to me. Say, Jesus, I want to desperately run after you. Say, Jesus, I'm on your timetable, not mine. Say this, Jesus, when it comes to who I am, I need it to reflect who you are. And I feel like there's some people here today that you've been praying for your children. You haven't seen them come into the house yet. You haven't seen them come back to God yet. I'm just letting you know that your prayers are not falling on deaf ears. Don't get tired. Don't get weary. Continue. If I can say it this way, to pound on the chest of Jesus, that that's coming through. Someone that just this past week you've received a negative report from the doctor, that it has been stressing you out, and what you're finding is that you're spending more time focusing on the negative report than the positive aspect of who Jesus is. I'm here today not just to tell you to shift your attention to Jesus. I'm here today to tell you that you are, you're healed. In the name of Jesus, this year of radical devotion, we are believing for miracles. And God would not be saying this if he didn't want it, this to be true. So it's time for you to hold on to your healing. It's time for you to fight for your healing. And I'll take it a step forward. It's time for you to declare healing in your own life, in your own body. And in this season of radical devotion, even as the church moves into that, the Lord is going to allow the carpet devotion and the carpet fasting to actually be also accredited to your account mm. uh, as you're partnering. So sometimes other people help us get what we cannot get for ourselves. And I feel like the Lord is saying there's, there's kind of like a carpet accounting measure yeah. and some of the things that you didn't seem to be able to break through on your own and I really feel like especially like this is in the area of addictions that some of those addictions there's going to be a power and a grace released in the overall that will cause these breakthroughs to come in your life I see hands actually being lifted up going I am free 
almost like a celebration and it because deliverance if we sing a song there's no sound louder than the sound of the captive set free yeah. and I feel like that's going to begin to happen throughout uh, the congregation people who have been bound in certain kinds of oppressions those chains are going to fall off and the captives are coming free there's uh, there's a this is the goodness of God to let us collectively get for one another what we could not necessarily get let's on do this own. can we all stand to our feet right now this feels like that feels like an action step a moving step if you feel comfortable with this or if you want to do this I'm gonna invite you to raise your hands right now and you just say this I am free and you may be thinking in your own head right now well I don't suffer from addiction listen this goes way beyond this you're going to be free in Christ. You're going to be free from shame. You're going to be free from addiction. You're going to be free from guilt. You know, there's someone in here, you're going to be free from the words that your dad has spoken over you all of your life. And to this day, it's the thing that haunts you at night. You're going to be free from that today. So Jesus Christ, by the way, let's do this with our hands up. Let's say this, God, I receive the corporate blessing that's going to occur. I receive the corporate prayers and I give in to the corporate prayers. So God, on this day, we just thank you for, God, I thank you that you've invited us, the church, into this year of radical devotion. And right now, I refuse to sit on the sideline. I refuse to wait for someone to go ahead of me. God, I today jump into this radical devotion, and I'm going to prioritize you in my life. And I'm going to join my brothers and sisters around this room, in, around, in our online community. We're going to join together now. And God, we're going to go to deeper places and higher reaches because we do this as a church, as a people, as a called out one. Hallelujah. And we receive it today, God. If I could, I just want to add one more thing for you to say. The disciples came to Jesus and they were asking him about fasting. And he said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. That's how he fed himself, not natural food, but on doing the will of the Father. So just in your own heart say, my food is to do the will of the Father. My food is to do the will of the Father. And then he finished it by saying, and to finish the, the uh, uh, call that he's put on my life. And I want you to say that, and to finish the call that he's put on my life. So my meat is to do the will of the Father mm. and to finish the call that he's put on my life. We just release that grace on you, that that's true of you. And when you're called to fast, there's a willingness. And when you're called to prayer, there's an ability. And when it's hard, you'll press in because you're going to finish the call that God has put on your life. So this morning, church, if you would like to, today, tomorrow, and Tuesday, we're calling you to a three-day fast. I've already been very vocal that... I believe God has called myself and my wife to a three-day water-only fast. And I know some of you may be thinking, well, in the Bible, doesn't it say not to be boastful of what he's calling you to? Yeah, but there was also a lot of times where he would call the nation to a fast. No one was hiding that one. So I'm not here boasting about it. Truth be told, outside of a fast, I could go three days without eating. That, that's, like, that's not the point. The point is for three days. After this year of, or this month of prayer and fasting, my wife and I are going to be a water-only 
fast. And I want to invite you to be a part of this fast as a church. It may be water only. It may be skipping a meal. It may be fasting all the meat. Whatever that is for you, we've gone through the book of starving. There's been a lot of examples given to you, but I want to do this. I want to invite you as a corporate body to join with us in, a, in the next three days of prayer and fasting. And let's push into the things of God. You know why? Because we want an open heaven to where salvations happen on an hourly basis. We want to see blind eyes open and deaf ears hearing. We want to see, I, this past week we were with the church that someone had died. And the pastors received a phone call. And the pastor on the phone said back to them, I know that God is saying this person isn't supposed to die yet. They were about to load him into the ambulance. And this pastor over the phone said, you're supposed to have life in your body. And this body immediately started breathing. And you can say, well, I don't believe that. That's fine. I'll go introduce you to uh, Dewan and Denise. And they can tell you the story. And you cannot believe them. But here's the thing. I want to see miracles. I want to see lives coming alive. And so we are praying and fasting not just for some type of prayer discipline. We're doing it because we want to see revival and new awakening, whatever term you want it. We want God's presence to be here. So Holy Spirit, we're in end today by the way we started by saying we want you here. We need you here. We welcome you here. And we as a people, God, finish strong in our month of prayer and fasting. Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, let's just declare amen. Amen. Can you also put your hands together? Thank Dr. Patty for joining me. Those in our online community, thanks for being with us today. We'll, we'll let you go at this time. And for everyone else, God bless you. You are dismissed.